What's up, everyone? You're listening to another episode of Kicking It with Krish. I'm Krish Kumar, your host, and I'm thrilled to have you join me for season three. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Kicking It with Krish. Today, I'm joined by special guest Ishwara Glassman. Welcome, Ishwara. Thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just to start with your background, talk about kind of your early days at McKinsey, the Lehman Brothers, and talk about kind of what you learned there. Yeah, so grew up in San Diego, um, came east for college, went to Columbia undergrad, um, did economics and political science, then stayed and did a master in international affairs at SIFO, which is the School of International and Public Affairs at Columbia. Um, I worked at McKinsey right out of grad school. I thought, you know, I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. I thought if you would ask me what I wanted to do in college or grad school, I probably said I w- would have wanted to work in politics or work at the State Department. Um, but interned in a bunch of campaigns in college and realized it wasn't quite what I wanted to do. Um, McKinsey was a really great experience for me. You learn to ask good questions. I got to travel all over the world. I worked with some of the smartest people I've ever worked with. Um, and then shifted over to work in banking. I figured if I knew management consulting and banking, I'd have a really good background. I'd learned, I don't know, enough about financial statements to be dangerous, maybe. So. Yeah. And then obviously you shifted towards IMG. Just for the audience, what is IMG, first of all? Yeah. I mean, a lot has changed, I think, since when I started IMG in, I, know, I think it was 2006. Uh, at the time, and still to this day, but they've added on a bunch of other things to it. There are a lot of different divisions to IMG. When I was there, I was primarily working on two divisions. One was corporate consulting, so advising a Fortune 500 company on what sports and entertainment properties to sponsor, how much they should pay for them, negotiating the deal, and then activating them. And then also the global sales group. So the global sales group would represent a property, say like Wimbledon and help them, among other things, sell sponsorships to the event. Yeah. And then talk about kind of what you learned here. I mean, obviously, you know, you had Salesforce, you had acquisition targets, um, all sorts of different moving pieces coming together. Yeah. I don't think I ever necessarily thought I would work in sports, quite honestly. um, I love sports, loved playing, loved watching, but I didn't really realize one could work in sports. I know that sounds funny, but I think in the last... 20 years, the business of sports has grown a lot. Um, I was sort of fortunate enough that I ended up working at IMG, was recruited there by a former McKinsey executive. So um, I guess it sort of happened fortuitously, but unplanned. I mean, I would never leave sports now because I feel like if you're lucky enough to work in sports, why would you ever not want to work in sports? Yeah. And well, sports valuations are exploding. And I mean, digital media rights, they're growing faster than GDP. Right. It's a good business as well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then you switched to Verizon, right, where you handled partnerships with all sorts of major sports leagues. And you managed, you know, billions of dollars in, in content. Talk about what you did there and what your day to day looked like with Verizon. Yeah. So, you know, when I was at IMG, I was sort of more of a strategy and operations person. I always thought that I would want to be a chief operating officer or chief strategy officer and still love doing all of that work. But at some point, a wise boss told me that I had to touch the money, you know, if I wanted to grow in sports. So at Verizon, Yahoo, I spent a lot of time, quite honestly, you know, spending the company's money, but also bringing in money for the company. So did, you know, some big deals with league partners, for example, to have Yahoo be able to stream live NFL games or to be the official fantasy partner of the NBA. Um, It was great getting to work with the leagues. I also learned, you know, um, Yahoo has a big fantasy business, so learned a lot about the ties between fantasy and the growing sports betting market. Working at Verizon was great. It was a really good experience, good people, well-respected brand. 
Yeah, I'm actually a, a consumer of, a, of fantasy football <laughs> yes. on Yahoo, so I can I can speak to that. You and millions of other happy consumers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not I'm not happy this week, but uh, you know, other weeks maybe. So, um, you know, one thing I like to talk about is like the landscape. And obviously, it's dynamic, it's competitive. How do you adapt to, you know, changes in the industry? One, and then two, like how do you deal with the competition? Oh, it's a good question. I don't know if I have a good answer. I mean, I guess the first answer that comes to mind is what my boss at Yahoo always said what are we doing to make people's lives better? And I know we're not sitting here curing cancer, like I'm not, but most of us in sports are here to make people's lives happier, right? We're bringing joy into their lives. So what's a product or a purpose that they didn't have before that we can add to them? You know, fantasy football makes it more fun for people to watch football. They were gonna watch football anyways, but having, like my son loves to play fantasy football and he ended up watching the, um, the Lions, the Lions-Packers game last night, and Amon Ross St. Brown is on his fantasy squad. So he, he's, I don't think he's ever been to Detroit or Green Bay, but he was screaming at the TV because he wants to win his fantasy matchup. And that's that's what's good for the league and for Yahoo and for my son. Yeah, well, as a uh, as a Michigan student, I can I can attest to, to the Lions. They're, do, they're having a good year. Yeah, it's really fun to watch. Everyone's saying it's the Lions year, so it's exciting to, to watch for sure, and I'm glad your, your son got to enjoy that game. Um, one thing I'd like to ask though is you've obviously worked so many different roles, right? And you talked about strategy, maybe finance being on the money, operations. How does this all piece together maybe? And what's like one thing that you did in all those roles and what's maybe one non-similarity that with all those roles or difference? There's always this debate, maybe in many industries, but I hear it often in sports about whether you can succeed as a generalist or whether you have to specialize. And I don't know. I think I've sort of always been a generalist. I like to touch and do a lot of different things. I like doing the strategy. I like executing it. I like operating it. And I've learned new things. I think, you know, one of the things that I learned more recently was the ticket sales business. That was something that was relatively new to me, but I've been in the sponsorship and media space for a while. I think, you know, as you get more senior, you realize that you'll never be an expert at everything. So you just want to, at some point, the most important quality is to become a good manager and hire well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things I'd like to ask is there's often this like misconception, especially for college students of, okay, you're going to go work in sports. You're going to meet all these famous athletes and like three or four years, you're going to be making millions and billions of dollars. Um, talk about kind of the reality, not to, not to break people's hearts, but talk about the reality of sports and what really goes into that progression and path. I always tell people that the sports industry is a business just like any other business and a company just like any other company. You know, we also in most sports business have people who work in HR or finance or legal or any of those things, just like any other business. And, you know, it's been widely reported that the sports business often doesn't pay as well as its competitors. And I continue to advocate for all industries, including sports, to treat its employees better. Um, but I think that's beginning to change. And it's really nice to see interns getting paid and maternity and paternity leave and all of those things coming along. But the best way to be successful in sports, like in any other business, is to bring in revenue to the business. You know, sell tickets, sell sponsorships, sell media rights, sell merchandise, drive revenue if you can. Yeah, absolutely. And just breaking down like kind of the sports business model for the audience, because a lot of college students, you know, tune in is how is it broken down in terms of like, okay, obviously there's a ticket component, like if you're a sports team, right? Obviously there's sponsorships. Um, so how does that kind of all work together? And are they at different levels? Are they at the same level? Do they prioritize one over the other? Yeah, so most sports teams make money in four key ways. One is ticket sales, as you mentioned. Ticket sales often sometimes include things like the food and beverages that you buy at the stadium as well, parking, those sorts of things. That's the most obvious and easiest to explain. Then second bucket, which is quite honestly usually the smallest, is merchandise. So hats, t-shirts, whatever you're buying with the team's name on it. 
sponsorships is the you know another the third option so whether you're the official car partner of the team or something like that and then fourth and last is media rights so you know if you watch a game on ESPN or NBC Sports they are paying the league or the team you know usually most often the deals go through the leagues but some it depends on the sport right the NFL does national deals and then baseball basketball and hockey do um, team specific and league deals so those that would be the four big buckets of how teams make money yeah and I'd be curious to know on the fourth bucket is it typically like a standard set like level of like okay this is kind of like the the buffer that you're negotiating between or is it like just free range and you can you know wing it almost in a sense yeah I've seen media rights deals from both sides right from acquiring them and also from trying to sell them I mean People who do this, it's a very analytical part of the business. It's really fundamentally based on how many people are watching those games and how much money they can make from selling advertising and also retransmission fees that you pay through your cable bundle. So it's actually quite analytical and largely based on current and future ratings. So if you want your rights fees to go up, you need more people to watch games, quite simply. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I'd love for you to dive in kind of into what those strategies are. Like, how do teams incentivize people to watch more games, come to the stadium, buy more merch, et cetera? Right. I mean, I always I was actually talking to someone who works at a team that I don't like. We won't mention that now, but I mean, I grew up in New York. So let's just say it was a Boston sports team. <laughs> I'm not not that guy. hard to filter down. <laughs> so I was, I was talking to him and I said, you know, I... I don't, I don't like the New England Patriots, you know, let's just put it out there. So I was saying to him, I said, you know, I would actually pay good money to root against the Patriots. You're not a Tom Brady fan? I'm not a Tom Brady fan. So What? <laughs> what? Tom Brady's an amazing player, but I grew up a New York sports fan, so I can't. Yeah, fair enough. Completely fair. Yeah, yeah. A lot of respect for, you know, he's older than me and just still see him playing sports for so long was great. But no, I, I can't root for the Patriots. You know, I grew up, you know, my family's from New York. Um but, you know, what you want in sports is the best thing is fans. But the second best thing is actually enemies. The worst thing you could have is indifference, right? You just want people to care. And that's that's the hardest thing to change in sports. I mean, the easiest way to encourage people to care is to win games, right? I mean, that's relatively obvious to sign stars. But there's also a lot of other things you can do, just being active in the community, being good corporate citizens, encouraging you know kids in the neighborhood to play. All of those sorts of things matter. And then the last thing, I guess the two last things I'll say is, Sports is entertainment, fundamentally. I'm a big believer in the power of personalities. You sometimes see in sports criticism of something being showboating, but I don't, I think it's all fun. Yeah. And lastly, you know, if you run any team, it's worthwhile to remember that 99% of your fans will never come to a game in person. So how do you engage with them through content and off the field content and all of that as well? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the content because I've seen a lot of, you know, short form content, especially TikTok, Insta Reels, that type of stuff. And I think that's also like an adaption um, to Gen Z and how they adapt and, and digest media and news. And so what is one of the things that sports teams have to do to adapt to not just the millennials, but Gen Z and, and different age ranges? Because, um, you know, there are people like I think the average NFL viewership age is like a lot older. Um, it's like What is it like in the 50s or something, I think? I think it is. I think it's a lot older than everybody would like it to be yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so like how do you adapt to those different audiences and different markets yeah i think two things i think one what major league baseball has done to make their game shorter and more action-packed is wonderful and i think two i know i even though i'm not a millennial really enjoy off the field content it's some of my favorite stuff whether it's you know what are the players eating what are the what are their pets like do they have kids or what shoes are they wearing like i think people increasingly want to get to know the players as people and you've seen a lot of fandom switch from being 
it depends on the league, but fans of the league or the team to being fans of the player, especially in the NBA, you see a lot of that. Oh, I completely agree. And, and you can see that with like these players also and athletes getting a lot smarter since five, 10 years ago, starting podcasts, talking about like their personality, their personal stories and exchanges that nobody else has ever heard before. Um, I mean, like, for example, you know, if Steph Curry started a podcast and, and talks about like winning four rings or, you know, all sorts of things that he's done. It's like nobody else can talk about that but Steph Curry and, and have those stories um, and stuff like that. And so I'd love for you to talk about ways that athletes are kind of pivoting to monetize their personal brand and make themselves smarter and, and, and have longevity for their career. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I love seeing athletes getting paid and I think athletes themselves have become the brand. I mean, I think the most important thing when you work with an athlete is to understand who they are and what their goals are. Some athletes are, you know, shyer than others. Some like the spotlight more than others, but, you know, every athlete I've ever spoken to has something they care about. Like if you're looking, you know, for an athlete to join a specific cause, you just need to understand who whose passion is pets, whose passion is, you know, who's interested in going to a hospital next week, because everybody has something they care about. The, the goal is to align what they care about with what you need too. like the most authentic sponsorships are the sponsorships when you can tell, like I was watching the Kelsey brothers do, I think a Campbell's soup ad with their mom. I mean, that was, I mean, one, they're hilarious and everybody loves Donna Kelsey, but it's, it's believable to me that they love that soup and eat it. Whereas for me, I won't name any names, but you occasionally see an athlete do an advertisement for a relatively affordable car company. And I think to myself, that guy makes $30 million a year. Like, I just don't think he's, I don't buy into the fact that he's driving that vehicle. Yeah, no, completely agree. And I, I love, I love Campbell soup too. So it's uh... a, <laughs> right. especially it's pouring here in New York. So it sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So another question I have is two parted. So one data analytics, right? We've seen that increasingly teams are kind of adapting and relying to data models algorithmic models on how to optimize ticket revenue, how to optimize player revenue, how to optimize all sorts of revenue. And then also AI, how do you think AI is going to incorporate uh, into sports? And, and do you think it'll like replace like some of the, the entry level jobs and positions? Yeah. I mean, I think what everybody wants to know more than anything is who is their customer, right? You want data around who is your customer? What games are they coming to? Who goes with them? Like, say you buy a ticket and you bring six of your friends. I probably never know their names or any of their demographics, but I'd like to. I'd like to know what you all do when you're there. How, when do you come? Where do you, where, how did you get there? Did you take a bus? Did you drive? Did you take the subway? What merchandise did you buy? What days of the week are best for you to come? Who's your favorite player? Like, I want to get to know you so that I can serve you content and merchandise and tickets that you want. That's the holy grail of and it's better for you too, because then you don't get promotions for stuff you don't want. Yeah, yeah. And it's more, you know, personal and, and I'm more right. engaged at the game. And then to answer your question on AI, the one, I've seen a couple of uses of, I'll just say technology broadly, that I think have been kind of cool. One is, you know, sometimes there was an article about how a lot of teams are now using technology to sell sweets. Like I wanted to book something for my daughter's birthday and a bunch of her friends to go to a game. And Honestly, I didn't really want to talk to a sales sales rep. Like I knew what I wanted and I wanted to buy it at like 10 p.m. on a Friday when hopefully nobody was working. And I can do most things these days without talking to a sales rep. I just, I wanted to book it. So why not make everybody's life easier and allow me to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So one last question I have kind of on the long, long answers is what advice do you maybe have for students wanting to go into sports, but also like maybe they want to go into business or finance or a completely different career. So maybe one piece of advice specifically for sports and maybe one piece of advice just for anyone wanting a career in general. <laughs> yeah. So when I was at McKinsey, they had this concept of a spike. So I always encourage people to like figure out what it is that you're really good at and that hopefully it's also what you really enjoy and lean into that. Spend 
you know, find as much, like when I was at McKinsey, I think that, you know, I first went in thinking, God, I'm, I'm pretty smart. Like I got into McKinsey. I mean, that's, you know, that's the hardest thing about it. But as soon as I got there, I was like, wow, everybody else here is also really, really smart. There's no way I can outwork them because I was like sleeping at the office. So like, I don't know, I couldn't think I could have worked more. And I said, so how am I going to distinguish myself? Like, I'm probably not going to be so how do I, but you know, what I was really good at was talking to clients and interacting with people. And I had those great people skills. And that was, doesn't mean I wasn't good at all those other things, but that was my unique spike. So I figured out what it is that makes you good and unique, but also that you enjoy. Like we spend a lot of time working, figure out something that you enjoy, like you should enjoy going to work. Um, and in the sports space, I say the same thing to people. What is it that you want to do in sports? Like, I get that you want to work in sports. I do too. Sports is amazing. But what is it that you want to do in sports? Do you want to work in HR? Do you want to work in marketing? Do you want to sell tickets? It's okay if you don't know, but you, and you have plenty of time to figure that out, but it's still a business. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. Um, and I enjoyed, enjoyed kind of that conversation. Um, so I prepared a couple games, a uh, little more fast paced. So, so let's, uh, let's just start with the first one. It's going to be this or that. Um, at first, I'm just going to start with general preferences, um, completely unrelated to sports or the whole business conversation we had earlier. Uh, all right. The first one, city or countryside? City. I love big, big international cities. Okay. Coffee or tea? Neither. Really? Okay. Juice? Okay. Book or movie? Oh, I, lo- I love to read. I probably read like seven books a week. Okay. Morning or night? I'm a morning person. Formal or casual? Uh, if I could like live in my Lululemon outfits, I'd be very happy. So casual for sure. Fair enough. Okay. And now the, the next bucket is sports preferences. So first one, NBA or NFL? I, I love both, but it's a tough, it's a tough question. I love both, but I could sit and watch the NFL all day on Sunday. Okay. Hockey or baseball? I grew up loving baseball with my dad. So baseball, but I married a Canadian. So I watch a lot more hockey than I used to. Right. By the way, your favorite team is the Yankees, right? For baseball. Yankees and Padres, both. So AL and NL team. And then what about the NFL? So I grew up in San Diego, so I grew up loving the Chargers. But when they left, it's really hard to root for a team that leaves your city. Yeah. But I couldn't find another team. It's really hard to change who you love. So So you're still a Chargers fan. Still a Chargers fan. My dad's a New York Giants fan, so I tried that. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, live sports or streaming? I mean, I love, I love to go to games in person. Yeah. I mean, I could watch live sports every single day of the week and be very happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, playing sports or watching sports? I like to play. I mean, I'd always rather get out and move. Which, uh, which sports do you like to play? I grew up playing a lot of volleyball. I mostly play a lot of tennis now. Oh, really? Okay. I play tennis too, actually. Yeah, tennis has been fun. Summer Olympics or Winter Olympics? Uh, it's cliche, but I like the Summer Olympics more. Just more familiarity with more of the sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. So the biathlon and the Winter Olympics always kind of mystifies me. Yeah, yeah, no. It, they're both entertaining, though. Um, okay, so now it's the, the next bucket and the last bucket is, is professional preferences. All right. So some of these may be a little tricky. Uh, <laughs> strategic planning or operational execution? Sorry, I'm not good at one-word answers, but I spent my whole career doing strategy, but I, I like to operate. I like to spend my time actually doing doing the work and getting things done. Okay. Negotiation or implementation? Probably negotiations, even though they're highly stressful, but it, I don't know. I do, I do live for a good negotiation. Yeah. Well, I mean, you talked about the fourth way that, that sports teams make money. That's probably a big role and big part of that. But negotiations are very stressful. Like it's not a great way to live your life every day, but they're fun. Yeah, I'm sure. Startup environment or established company? Ooh, somewhere in between, ideally. <laughs> I don't know. Hands-on or delegative leadership? 
I really hate to be micro. I really hate being micromanaged. So I try really hard to hire good people and let them do their thing. Gotcha. And then risk or caution? Probably a little bit of risk. Sorry, I, didn't, I can't do yes or no. I'm not that good at yes or no games. So. No, this is. I think I think those <laughs> answers are great. Um, okay, so there there are two questions. Um, kind of just miscellaneous. One, can you share like an anecdote or a story that was you know back from a long time ago that talks kind of about what was meaningful or like impactful for you? Yeah. So I was when I was at Yahoo, I was negotiating a really big deal. You know, deal negotiations are one of my favorite things. And my boss at the time, who's still a good friend, said, "He goes, Ishwar, you are." very well prepared. You know, you have all of your bullet points laid out, you know, everything you want, you've talked to all the other divisions, you know what you want to achieve in this negotiation, but have you ever thought about what the person across the table from you needs to do to look like a hero within his organization? Because in an ideal negotiation, you both feel good about how it ended. And you have to know what the other side needs to be a good negotiator too. And it sounds obvious, but I had never quite thought about it that way. And sometimes you can just ask like, what, what's important to you here? Yeah, absolutely. And then the second question I always like to ask guests this is, are there any mentors or significant influences who have kind of helped you along the way and pushed you? Yeah, so my boss at Yahoo was Jeff Reese, and we had lunch last week. He was great. He taught me a lot about the media space. He had spent most of his career at ESPN, so learned and enjoyed learning about the media space. And sort of it was my first consumer-facing role at Yahoo, so it was interesting to see that perspective. And then when I was at IMG, I worked for a long time for um, Andy Pierce and David Aberton, and IMG is literally the most fun place I've ever worked. I think that it's truly a culture built around sales. And my boss at David had, had this good line. He said, hitting your numbers is your freedom. We can do whatever we want and people will leave us alone if we just hit our financial projections. Yeah. Quite wise in business. Yeah, yeah. No, as long as you get the job done, I guess, you know. Um, okay, now we're going to play a word association game. I'm going to give you right. just a couple words and uh, just say the first word that comes to your mind. All right, first one is uh, strategy. PowerPoint. Okay. Partnership. BD. Sports. Fun. Leadership. Treating people well. Innovation. Oversaid. Risk. Balance. Success. Happiness. Challenges. Always. Team. Sports. And then goal. Achievable. I like it. That was great. That was interesting. Okay. Um, okay. And then last section, just a rapid fire round. Um, personal questions. One, what's your favorite book? Ooh, um, the Hillbilly Elegy. It was really interesting just understanding different political beliefs than my own and how they came to be. What is it? What is it about, by the way? The Hillbilly Elegy is by J.D. Vance. It's about... I'm going to reveal my politics, but it's sort of about why working class white Americans gravitated to Trump. Okay, interesting. And then uh, what's your favorite sports personality? Ooh, my favorite sports personality. That's a good question. Uh, probably Mary Carrillo and John McEnroe. I love watching them. They haven't been together as much lately, but I love watching them comment on tennis. Really? Okay. One thing you can't live without. Uh, my Peloton that's sitting behind me, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate, maybe those two together. Yeah, absolutely. Not not a not a not a very um, not a very common pair to go together. I feel. Well, you got to exercise so that you can eat, eat all the chocolate. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the most daring thing you've ever done. Oh, the most daring thing I've ever done. That's a good question. 
Um, you know, probably, you know, leave California and move to New York at 17 on my own and never move back, maybe, much as I love my parents. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that definitely sounds daring um, and exciting, though, thrilling. I love New York. I still live here, so <laughs> I think it worked out okay. And then last question, what's a hobby you picked up during the pandemic? Ooh, um, reading. Admittedly, I read a lot of romance novels. I think that was a COVID uh, pickup. And then uh, we started like baking and cooking a lot. So I guess like a lot of other people, we started making everything at home. Anything the, that, you, that you really enjoy cooking or that you're good at cooking? Uh, what we, we like to make desserts, like cookies, brownies, Ooh. pumpkin bread. It's always, a, it's always a good skill to have in the bag. We tried learning how to make sushi. We did not succeed at that. We never quite got it quite right. I feel like that's tough, though. Sushi was tough. Yep. We missed delivery. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Really, really appreciate your time. And uh, this was really fun. I enjoyed hearing you know, your answers to the rapid fire questions and uh, talking about business and sports. And just your advice was great. Thank you for having me. It was fun as well. Absolutely. Well, that's a wrap. See you next time on Kicking It with Krish. Stay tuned. Ah!